Lord. Come on, amen. Come on, do I have any worshipers in this place today? Anybody excited about the Lord today? Anybody excited about just Jesus in your life? Now, I, I do, I do want to thank God for the praise and worship team. You know, for those of you who don't know, they're together five times a week in this place or somewhere together. Five, somebody say five times a week. You come on Sunday, they're here Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, some of them here Saturday morning, all just to be able to drive you into the presence of God. You know, we're focused this year on creating a culture of worship in our church, amen? And we're succeeding so far. One thing we will never apologize for is the length of our worship. Somebody say amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke, the 22nd chapter. Luke chapter 22. I'm very excited. We have a, a busy week, Stephen, a busy week we have coming up. We're expanding our sanctuary. Somebody say amen. amen. We're continuing the progress in the basement for the children's ministry. Let's stop calling it the basement. Just call it the ground level. Sounds better. Put all the kids in the basement. Put them in the ground level. Where's the kids' ministry? The ground level. That sounds better, right? We're going to say ground level from now on. Amen. We laugh in church? Can we do that? It's weird. I'm just kidding. Luke chapter 22. And I want you to receive this. This is going to be a powerful day in your life. Got, that's about 12 people said amen. Amen. I'm preaching to 12 today. And Jesus says this. You can take me down just a little bit. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, somebody say, when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Let me read that one more time to you. Simon, Simon, Satan has, the King James says, demanded to sift you as wheat. I believe the New Living Translation says he has desired to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Come on, let's pray. Father, with much expectation, we enter into your presence, our hearts wide, for your seed to enter, not to be removed, Father. As we live daily for, your, for you, encourage us with your word today, Father. Compel our hearts to a deeper knowledge of you that we would drive to serve you in a deeper capacity, Father, than we've ever served you before. That we may see new revelation and new truth in the scripture we might have read a thousand times, God. That your word would inspire me on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, God, that this would not leave my lips, God, to fall on deaf ears. But that it would prevail in the hearts of your people. The church say Amen. In this scripture, in the book of Luke, Jesus partaking of the Last Supper with the 12 disciples. It's hours before Jesus would be arrested and his crucifixion would take place. And the Bible describes the heart of Jesus as anxious, as full of anguish. And he is in a place where he's in deep thought, very perplexed with what is about to take place in his life. And as he's sitting there amongst the 12 disciples... An argument breaks out amongst them as to who is the greatest. Leave it, to, leave it to us to wonder who's greater while God's facing a difficult situation. 
Leave it to us. And as Jesus is amongst them, he says, listen, you're all going to rule in heaven. Don't worry about it right now. This is Jesus, creator of all things. The Bible says all things are made for him and through him and through him all things are held together. Jesus. We're talking about God. God who created the very earth with just his breath. Him, God. He's sitting in a room with 12 men fighting about who's the greatest. And he's about to lay down his life as a perfect sacrifice for all of mankind. That you might come to him without cost. Jesus. Say that, Jesus. I don't think they understood what was transpiring. And so here is Jesus in the midst of all things. And he says to Simon, known as Peter. He says something that should really pay attention. He says, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, Peter. In the midst of all this conversation, in the midst of all this heaviness, in the midst of all this anguish, the Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 56, that the Jesus' anxiety, his worry, his, his troubled heart was so great that his sweat turned to blood, which is a condition known as hematidosis. Literally, his blood seeped into his sweat glands and poured out from him. He didn't sweat. Sweat, he sweated blood. He was so anguished. He was so perplexed with what he was going to face to pay for a crime he would never commit to be a a sacrifice for something who wouldn't even love him, for people who would reject him. He would spend six hours hanging on a cross after he had been whipped beaten, dragged up a hill to carry a cross that weighed somewhere in the vicinity of 75 pounds. We're talking about God, the creator of all the universe, and in the midst of all this trouble, in the midst of everything, in the midst of all the things he is about to face, he has time to tell Peter, Peter, the devil is after you. I thank God that when things get bad, he's not like you. He's not like me where they run out the door, but he had time to let somebody know the devil's coming after you. No matter what he faced, he had a moment where he could turn and say, listen, now, Satan's asked to sift you as wheat. Pastor Carmen, the devil's after you. Cheyenne, the devil's after your joy, after your newfound strength. He's after you. In the midst of all that he faced, he found time to help me. He found time to help Peter in the midst. How many of you know that when things go wrong in your life, you don't find time for nobody? It becomes all about you, but God is the opposite. When he faced the situation, he made it all about you. I just thank God he's faithful when I'm unfaithful. I thank God he's true when your life is a lie. I thank God. Understand a few things what's happening here. Jesus is talking to Peter, and he's actually, if you think about this, he's cueing Peter in on a very celestial conversation. A conversation that's taking place up in heaven. Like the conversation in Job chapter 1, verse 6 and 9. Listen to this. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to the present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came amongst them. And the Lord said to Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro and in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? He is a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Understand this. Jesus is now saying, Peter, there's been a conversation in heaven. Satan has to pay account to God. The Bible doesn't say how often, how frequently, but Satan frequently has to go to God and give account as to what he's doing. 
talk about God is in control. When even your enemies have to send you a, an in-person letter of what he's been doing. And he says, have you considered my, my servant Peter? He's a little rough on the edges. He's a little kind of, you know, mouthy on him. But yet I'm going to build a church on Peter. Peter's going to preach on Pentecost and 8,000 people will be saved. Peter's going to be the, the first real bishop of the church. He's going to be the first real pope, as they call him. He will be the first real man of God that the world has ever seen. He's going to be the first major super mega pastor. There was a conversation in heaven. This word that Jesus used that says that Satan has demanded, it's a Greek word that means he's petitioned to put you on trial. Oh, you don't get this. I just, I'm not ready for this today, I don't think. I just, they might need the CD. This is transpiring concerning Peter, and Jesus says, Peter, Satan has gone before the Father, and he has demanded to put you on trial, and God had so much trust in you that he said, go for him. God had so much faith in Peter, he said, go for him. Satan demanded with success to put Peter on trial. Look to your neighbor and say, you are on trial. He's been after some of you, and he's desiring to show God that you are garbage. And that every time you fall and don't get up, he gains a victory over you. But if you would continue to rise, Satan's not trying to make you fail. You fail by yourself. Sin is in your core. You cannot get rid of it until you go to heaven. Satan's trick is not to make you fall. It is to make you not get back up. Somebody say, I've fallen daily. Jesus is speaking to Peter with much concern, so much so he declared his name twice. Simon, Simon. I can only think that Jesus was exasperated when he spoke. He said, Simon, Simon, you don't understand. Satan, he's after you. <coughs> Jesus is trying to emphatically tell Peter he's about to go to the trial of a lifetime. That Satan desired and, the, and the, the allegory Jesus uses is to sift Peter as wheat. In ancient Israel, the process of sifting the wheat was the last stage in preparing the harvest. And you just missed it. You completely, I didn't even have to go, you could just dance right there. The sifting process is the, the last thing you do before you go home and rest. The sifting process is the last thing that, a, that a, a, a farmer would do to his wheat before he would actually go to take it to market and cash in. I don't think you get this. Right before you're about to get your blessing, it's the sifting process. Right before you're about to, to get the greatest things that God might have for you is the sifting process. It's the trials of life, the trials of, of the enemy, the trials of things to see if you're going to bless God in the midst of a storm. If you're going to love him in the midst of tranquil times. If you're going to love him when things are going wrong. If you can be faithful to him. Somebody say, I'm at the point of my harvest. Satan's after the harvest. He sees the destiny in you before you ever recognize it in yourself. He saw the destiny in Peter. He saw Peter was destined for greatness. And he said, no, no, no. Let me put that man 
stand on trial, Lord, and I know that he will fail. He's not the real deal. The devil is out to make you look as a counterfeit Christian. The sad thing is many of us don't need help. Peter was to be the leader of the new church. You don't understand the the complexity of what Jesus is saying, the multiplicity of it, because he's saying, Peter, Simon is not just out to sift you. He's out to ruin the last three and a half years of my ministry. He's out to to steal all the, if he could have got Peter, the whole church would have never been formed. You would not be here today. History would have been rewritten if he could get Peter to not get back up again. If he can get Peter and trick him into thinking he's enough of a failure, he doesn't have to pray. If he can get you to think you're a failure, you've done so much wrong. God can never love you. God can never heal you. God can never use you. God can, you've done so much dirt. You've hung out with so many bad people. God cannot use you. If the devil can get you to believe that lie, he's already won. Jesus, I feel him here. He's telling Peter, Peter, protect my harvest. Your soul's coming in. Protect them, Peter. Protect the 11 disciples that will be left with you. Protect them. You see, on the day of Pentecost, as I said earlier, days after Jesus died, maybe about 30-something days in, in total, there's no real calculation, but Jesus would be dead, raised up in three days. He would be on the earth for 30 days, and a few more days later, maybe 10 days would pass total of 40 days and, and Pentecost would come. Pentecost, if you don't know, is, is, is when they celebrated the Passover. It's when, it's when, it's when I, don't, I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about. It's when the new rain would come in. The Passover is when they left Israel. They put the blood on the doorpost and because of the sacrifice of the lamb, they were able to, the angel of death would pass over them. And Pentecost is one of the feasts within that time of Passover celebration and Jesus was the lamb that God gave. That was Jesus. And so at the time of celebration, at the time of outpouring, the Spirit of God, Acts chapter 2, would fall. And Peter would be inspired by the Word of God. And he would preach a message that would come out in about 15 languages. I'm talking about Holy Ghost power. He got in his prayer closet because God had used them. And Jesus knew this harvest was coming. He knew it. He said, Peter, Satan's out to sift you. Not a person next to you. The devil's out to sift you. He's trying to get you to make God see how, how much of a fake you are. Maybe you've been struggling for years or months. Or you're toiling in the faith and you're going through a tough stretch. And maybe everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Nothing seems to be going right or working. You keep on feeling as if you're on the threshold of finding freedom or prosperity. You're somewhere good and something seems to happen to knock you back. You're experiencing a shaking in your life that, that, that seems to grind you to a screeching halt. Just remember, this: the sifting is at the end of the harvest. I came today and the Lord really impressed upon me to tell somebody that shaking you're feeling in your marriage, it's a blessing about to be born. That shaking in your homes with your children, that sifting process where things seem, they just seem to be unstable. God says, no, it's not unstable. I haven't left you. I've let you be on trial so that I can bless you and exonerate you. 
I'm trying to expunge your record. If you would just pass this test, if you would just stand trial, and, and some of the best things you could do when you stand trial is to shut your mouth. He's saying, don't come out against me. Don't speak out against me. Don't curse my name. Don't worry about it. I got it under control. I sent my son. He is your advocate. He is your lawyer. You don't have to defend yourself. The blood is all you need. And if you would just surrender, if you would just surrender, you're before the great judge of heaven and he will exonerate you. Because he's after your harvest. And working, planting seed, nourishing seed, trying to get things right. And now the devil comes at the end of your harvest, Carlos, to, to try and rip it out from under you. To prove you're not worthy of it. Trouble in your family, trouble in your job. Trying to steal your purpose or keep you from ever stepping into God's destiny. The devil's afraid of you stepping into what God has destined you for. Because the devil knows if you got loose for God, everything attached to you will begin to come to God. And if you got on fire for God, every person attached to you will begin to grow in Christ. And God knows. And the devil knows. And the devil's trying to stop you from attaching yourself to God. And so he tries to put you on trial. Peter, in, in the days to come, would bring everything attached to him into the kingdom. I don't know if you understand this. All your family, your cousins. Your aunts, your uncles, everything attached to you will come to God when you're on fire for God. You'll bring everybody to church, even if they don't want to come. Isn't that how it is when you first got saved? You got to come to church. Oh, you got to do this. You got to do that. And oh, my God. And you have that first love. You just met that girl, met that guy. And you're like, oh, my God, they're so great. And they're so this and they're so that. And then you realize they have all those bad habits. And uh, well, I know she had, I know she had a long toes like that I met her and she had she had high heels on I didn't, I didn't ooh, ooh. three months in I finally saw her feet and I just don't know now it's just you laughing but I, I met my wife and I think the third time I hung out with her I said how your toes look girl am I lying I don't believe you let me see I just it's just, that's how I am. But isn't that how it is? You realize they got this, you know, they got those little issues now. You've been talking to them three, four months. Like, ugh, man. He has some strong body odor. You know, I just, I don't know about that. Ugh. He got a lisp, but I don't know. Like, that gap in between his teeth, it was cute in the beginning, but now it's, Every time he eat, rice falls out. I just. It was all right in the beginning because he was just so, he could talk. He was a good talker. But every time his lip came to his teeth, spit just shoots out. And that's just not cute no more. You know, he, was, he was cute until, you know, he had a, a permanent gas problem. That wasn't one time in the car. It's, it's just, he poots all over the place. Just, you would think it's a fire engine. Burnt, just like, it's just. Isn't that how it is? And after a few months, you find all the things wrong with that person? Oh, he don't get a haircut enough. Or her roots are growing in. She got split ends. She got, if you, when you really fall out of sync with somebody, you look for any old reason to just drop somebody. Her fingernails are too long. Oh, my goodness. Thank God that when it comes to the Lord, we don't have those reasons. God never broke up with you. No matter how funky you were, 
no matter how much you sin, no matter what you wore to church, no matter what you didn't wear to church, he don't care how you came to him, he just loved you. But it's, it seems like five months in, many of us, we fall off that, it's just, ugh. We fall off that first love. The honeymoon phase comes down to an end. And the relationship with God becomes a job rather than a privilege. You see, Satan knows if he can get you to that point. In due season, you just become a very lukewarm individual for Christ. You start coming to church, you're jumping. Five months, you're waving. About a year in, you're coming to church late because worship isn't that special to you anymore. Things like this, it's just, you have to realize, can we be real today? It's just, Satan knows if he can get you to not have that fire for God, the things that God desires to burst through you. You know, Cheyenne, you said you have a purpose in God. Keep the fire going. That purpose will come. The plan of the enemy is to stop the purpose by hindering the fire. You see, in a dry place, New England's a dry place. There should be revival all over, but a spark in a dry forest can start a wildfire hundreds of acres wide. And the church of God in New England is dry. And the fact is, maybe there's some Christians with no spark because everything should be on fire. Satan knows if the Holy Ghost got into your life, you would never be the same and you would be a soul-winning, curse-breaking, committed servant of God that would run wild for God. Run abandoned to him. That you could worship for hours and not worry. That you could come to church and stand in the presence of God with your hands lifted, not caring who's around you. God's in, he's in the business of, of setting you on fire. Anything to keep you out of God's will. The devil will do anything to keep you out of God's will, including giving you everything you want. Oh, God bless me. You have to be careful. That's not God's blessing. I said to a friend of mine's mother just the other day, I know he was going to church. How's he doing? He was going to church strong, Pastor. He was on fire for God. I said, well, what happened? He got a job that made him work on Sundays. And because he only had a Sunday relationship with God, it just dwindled. You be careful what you call a blessing. Israel went to Egypt in the beginning with Joseph, and the blessing became cursed. Somebody say Amen. Satan will work overtime to get you outside of God's will. But he'll keep you in church to make you feel good. Keep you out of God's will, but inside of church. Just as long as you're not in God's will, he doesn't care. As long as you're hurting and broken, he's fine with that. Afflicted, you are no threat to him. And so he keeps attacking us at the time of harvest so nothing will ever come. See, the harvest comes so that a farmer, when they have the harvest time, they sell some and keep some to store for themselves to eat over the winter. But if the devil can steal your harvest, you have nothing to, dis- to supply yourself. You getting this today? This makes sense? Somebody say, he's trying to sift me. He's trying to attack my supply. He wants to keep me from being able to sustain myself till next Sunday. He wants to keep me from being able to sustain my spirit until I enter this place again. You see, the sifting occurred once the wheat had been gathered in and winnowed. When they winnow the wheat, they would throw it on the floor, they would toss it in the air. When they tossed it in the air, the wind would come, they would usually do it on top of a mountain, and all the chaff, the loose stuff, the, the, the stuff that was of no value, would be fluttered away in the wind. This is called the winnowing process. And so the wheat 
would be left on the ground. And when they would gather it up off the ground, it would have rocks and debris in it from the ground. The wheat was gathered up off the floor. It was shaken in a sieve to remove the rocks and the dirt and debris that may have been gathered with the kernels of wheat when they picked it up. And it is this process that is called the sifting. They would put it in this wheat and they would shake it and shake it. It had little holes in it the size of wheat and only the, the rocks would come out and the wheat would stay in. And so when they say, listen, Satan is trying to sift you, he got you in there with all the garbage, and he says, this is garbage. You're going you're gonna to fall out of this sometime. You're going to fall out of this sieve at some point, and I don't know what I have to do, but I'm going to make you fail, and I'm going to shake you, and I'm going to press you until you give in. Somebody say, I'm in the sifting process. When the Lord tells Peter that Satan desires to sift him as wheat, he's identified Peter as wheat. Peter, you're not chaff. You're not debris. You're not rocks. You're the real deal. Somebody say, I'm the real deal. I would assume the sifting process, according to how we respond to it, can either purify us to be gathered into the garner of of wheat, cleansed from the rubble. You see, the devil doesn't understand this. He may try to sift you, but in actuality, he's taking all the garbage away from you. I don't know about you, but when you're facing a real tough situation and you decide to trust in God, all the things of the world don't matter no more. You give it all up and you pray for hours. When you have something before the Lord or have a sick relative or something, you'll get in your prayer closet. All your favorite TV shows no longer matter. All your little dinner dates no longer matter when you have a need before the Lord. Peter was sifted and he would come out stronger. Understand, when you find yourself in a spiritual fight, when you find yourself under attack, Satan is trying to prove to God you are not worthy of the destiny he's called you to. Satan understood Peter's destiny. Satan didn't think Peter could do it because Peter had a tendency to sin. Satan saw fit to put Peter through trials and tribulations. And Jesus said Satan had desired to put him on trial. Somebody said trial. You must realize he's out to show God you're a fake Christian. They're a failure. The Bible says, Revelation 12, 10, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now he came to salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, meaning the devil, who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down, but they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Don't you understand? Satan is right now before the Lord saying that person's no good and he's a fake. Robert's a sinner. He's out there. Just, he's up there right now. The Bible says day and night he accuses you. Carlos is a sinner. Stephen should not be on the altar. He's a demon. He's a this. He's a that. He's out there calling you all types of names. Pointing out all your sins, all your failures. And some of you know we have many failures. He's a constant accuser of the brethren. His sole purpose is to convey to God that your walk with Christ is counterfeit and completely codependent upon God. I don't know if you got that. Your your faith in God is dependent upon the blessings. He's trying to tell God, God, they only love you because you provide for them. They're only faithful when things are okay. Satan is truly and simply out to make you a fool before God. 
He's not trying to make you fail. He's trying to keep you down. He's trying to separate you from the goodness of God by telling God you only love him because he blesses you. Because he puts food on your table. Jesus declares to Peter the enemy is out to make him fail and fall. This is really, this is really, this is, this is, the, this is one of the Bible verses that really irked me. Because here is Jesus. God in the flesh, and he's saying, listen, hey, Pete, just FYI, 2012 version. The devil's out to really mess your life up. He's out to really just jack it up. Like, it's, a, it's about to hit the fan. It's about to go down. Could you imagine sitting there eating some hibachi just, Pete, this is horrible. And if Jesus lived nowadays, he probably would have had hibachi for last supper. I, I'm just, maybe not. Somebody listen to this who's extra religious, I'm going to hell. Just, should we edit that part? Just, and so he says, uh, Pete, it's going to get really bad in the next couple of days. You know, Peter in the Bible, read the Bible, he's just, no, Jesus, not me. I'm going to die with you. I'm going to this. We all know just a few hours later, Peter denied Christ three times. Three times, not once, not twice, three Three times in a couple of hours. That's crazy. And so, the next line is the one that really gets me. But don't worry. Don't worry. I prayed for you. Really, Jesus? You raised a dead man? You calmed the storm? You opened the, the eyes of a blind man with your spit? You couldn't even spit on me or something? You just prayed for me? You couldn't have given me a glory ball or something? You couldn't have given me just, ah, just nothing? He said, but don't worry, Pete. I prayed for, I would have got so upset. You don't understand. He didn't say a demon's after him. It wasn't a spirit. It wasn't a principality. This dude said Satan, the father of all lies, him, himself, the, the head honcho of hell. He's coming after you, Peter. But don't worry. Mind you, read the scripture, Jesus did not pray for Peter, he prayed for his faith. That would have upset me more though. What do you mean you pray for my faith and not me? Pray for me, let's do this right now. Lay hands on me. Touch me, let me get the Holy Ghost, something. I'll talk in tongues ahead of time, anything. I just, I love when a preacher comes with a generic prophecy. You're going to go through something, I, I'm going to something right now. What are you talking about? Just... You're going to get a phone call. I get about 52 a day. Just try better. Just wouldn't you been a, what would you have thought, Jesus? You prayed? Really? That's it? Nothing? You couldn't give me a special prayer for myself? Some of us went on to bless our crosses or something, bless our chains. But all he did was pray for his faith. But what he said was very strong. He said, I pray that your, your faith would not fail you. That word fail, that word fail in Greek is the word eklepo. And this word in Greek, it's very, it's very a, a great word because what it means is not just to fail, but to completely fail. I don't think you get this. It means to utterly fail. It means to never bounce back. And then Jesus is more powerful. He says, and listen, listen, Peter, you loser, listen. After, after he says, return and strengthen your brothers. I don't, oh, no, 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 don't amen me yet. Listen to this, it's really good. He knew Peter was going to mess up. He said, Pete, you're going to, this is, you're going to suck at this. 
I mean, some of us know we suck at going through tough stuff. How many of you suck at tests? I mean, we just, we, something comes up, we're just mad, we're screaming, we're cursing, like, oh, I failed that test. After, see, why is it always afterwards you realize God was trying to move us into a new level? Oh, I blew that one, huh? He, said, he says, Peter, Peter, after you fail, after you sin, get back up and strengthen your brothers. Do you realize the depth of this right now? Jesus said, I pray that your faith, meaning your trust in me, your unrelenting faith, not in anything else but God, would drag you to get yourself back up. Because he said there, listen, Pete, I know you're going to sin. God knows you're going to sin every day of your life, but all he says is, listen, just get back up. For a saint is just a sinner who fell down but got up. He's out to make you untrue. What's that song says? There's nothing you can do to make me untrue to my God. Anything just, there's nothing. He says, Peter, I know, Carlos, I know you're going to have a million mess-ups this week. But when you're done, come back here on Wednesday and encourage your brothers. Isn't, that's God, that's love, that's God. That's not us. That's not church, that's not religion. Religion says, you messed up, you're on disciplina. God says, just come back and strengthen your brothers. Church says, you can't, you can't be on the altar. I mean, you sinned. I mean, isn't everybody on the altar full of sin? I'm just, could we just be real? You know, I had, and don't take this the wrong way. I had a, a person years ago when I was, just became a pastor. It was some of the greatest wisdom God ever gave me. And um, I, was, I used to be in some of an old school mindset until the Lord began to usher me into something different where we're at now in our church. And I believe what we have going is beautiful. We accept everybody. No one's perfect, and we realize that. And someone from the praise and worship team, they, they were just broken up, and they came up to me, and they said, oh, Pastor, Pastor, i got to step down. I'm just like, oh, okay. No problem. Tell me why. They said, well, I, I, fell, I fell, and I, I sinned. I had sex. And I said, oh, that's it? Are you sorry? I'm, they're, they're crying. Yeah, I'm, I messed up. Did you ask God to forgive you? Yes. Well, then why are you full of this remorse? That's not God. I see you on Sunday. God forgave you. Who am I not to? Is it going to happen again? No, no, Pastor, no. Then it's not, a, it's not a lifestyle of sin. You fell, but you got back up, right? Yes. It's Sunday, they were singing with us. Because it's not about falling. It's about getting up. Am I saying go fall on purpose because God will forgive you? No. Repentance is not saying, God, I'm sorry. It's saying, God, I won't do it again. You get what I'm saying here? God knows you're going to fail. God knows. But he said, listen, Peter, when you've turned back, when you've decided, no, I am going to serve God right. When you say, no, I do love the Lord. When I, you say, no, I will serve him every day. I won't have just a Sunday faith. I'm going to serve him on Monday. I'm going to cry out to him on Tuesday. I'm going to love God on Wednesday with all my heart that everything that is within me, I'm going to love God. If you can do that, you'll be unbreakable. 
I think the goal for the church is to be unbreakable. You see, the Apostle Paul says in uh, 2 Timothy 4, 7, I fought the fight, the good fight. He said, I finished the race, and I've kept the faith. He knew all I had to keep was the faith, my unrelenting trust in God, and then nothing else. If I keep that, I'm good. If I kept the faith, I can make it. You see, one of the things we have to do to remain, we cannot let the devil break us. Somebody say, I need to be unbreakable. Look to your neighbor and say, unbreakable. I think one of the things we need to do to be unbreakable is, honestly, most and primarily, is avoid seeing crisis in every, every problem. Avoid seeing a crisis in everything you see. But look as to where God can bless you, no matter how bad it looks. Look at the goodness of the Lord in every situation. You you should take that down, write that. I should look at the goodness of God in everything in my life. No matter how bad it may seem, I count my blessings. Hebrews 12, 22, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You're always going to have problems in life. But look as to how God can move in that problem. Some of the greatest blessings you will ever experience will come in the midst of a storm. I promise you. We should accept that change is a part of living, but God is always the same. You can never control your job, your family. You can never control the mouth of someone who doesn't serve God. Romans says that they're under no law. They don't care what they say. But we should accept that change will come. We can't get upset when change comes. But trust in God, for he is the same. Malachi 3, 6, I, the Lord, do not change. That's awesome. God is always the same. You know how much God is the same? That tomorrow when you fall, he'll forgive you. And the next day, he'll forgive you. And the next, and the next. And he will never stop loving you. He will never stop forgiving you. A man said to Jesus, how many times should I forgive? He said, seven times seven. Meaning, it's too much to count. It's insurmountable, immeasurable. I will forgive you as long as you ask it with an earnest heart. Isn't that grace? We should nurture a positive relationship with God. We should nurture it like you would a baby. Take care of it. We should pray and seek the Lord in our private time. We should be careful how we talk to and about ourselves. Your life is headed in the direction of your words, and if you speak life, it will come. If you speak death, it will come. As long as we speak faith, we will be unbreakable for the Lord. Proverbs 18, 21, we all know it. The tongue has the power of life and death in it. Jesus, come on. Amen? Last but not least, you need to keep God in your perspective. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher. Meaning he started it, he's going to edit it, and he's going to produce it. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. We should keep God in everything we do. Luke twenty two fifty six. Peter, he, he, he actually said to the Lord, you know, he actually denied the Lord in that scripture. He no longer had his eyes on Jesus. And he walked on water with Jesus. He took his eyes off of him. The Bible says he, he began to see things. And so when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he fell and he sunk. Temptations and hardships will come. And the point is not to come to service on Sunday to have a spiritual moment. But to go home and live a, a real spirit-filled life. We're not here to be moved emotionally, but rather to gain strength to walk into tomorrow. I'm not here to move you emotionally. I, 
I don't want you crying and whimpering every service because you're just so glad that God forgave you again. God wants you to grow in him. Amen? Could you imagine seeing like an eight-year-old baby, an eight-year-old kid at that point, sitting there drinking Enfamil? That's how some of us act sometimes with the Lord. We want baby food the whole time. Been in church three, four, five years, and we're taking baby steps. God says, run. You say, I can't even walk yet. God says, go preach. You say, I don't even know the songs yet. God says, go minister. I don't even know the Bible. Who is Abraham? Who's this? And God says, no, it's time you started running in Christ. Tell your neighbor, run for him. The greatest thing is that I will never utterly fail to the point where I can't get back up again. You hear me? You have to say, I will not fail. I will not give in. I will not. I will get back up. I will get back up. I will get back up. And I will get back up. I fall, I'll get up. I sin, I'll ask God to forgive me. And I'll keep moving forward. I will not let condemnation rest in my heart. For God is a God of mercy, a God of grace. And the word of God says his mercies are new every morning. Not every Sunday, every morning. Come on, stand with me right now. His mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Somebody say, his mercies are new every morning. Come on, bow your heads right now. You know, I'll never forget the day that young lady walked into my office from my praise and worship team and told me how she thought she fell. I'll never forget that. Because it was in that moment that God let me realize it's not about us falling. It's about how we get back up. You know, come on, with every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know who I came to preach to today. I don't know who the Lord has me encouraging right now with this word. I don't know who you are, but God says today is time you became unbreakable for him. You may feel a shaking. You may feel a sifting. But he says, listen, I'm in control. I have it all under control. Trust me. I am the Lord your God. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always. And unto the end of the earth, I am with you always. I am with you always. Come on, do you believe that? I am with you always. I am with you always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am the Lord your God. I do not change. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He forgives me like he forgave me when I first came to the cross. No matter what I look like, no matter how I faced things in my life, God always looked after me. God always forgave me. Come on, do I have a witness in the place today? God always, God always, God always, God always forgave me. No matter how I abandoned him, no matter how I left him, God always forgave me. Come on, with every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on, is there anybody in this place today that says, you know, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Come on, if that's you, just lift your hands up. We want to pray with you. If you want to come into a knowledge of him, come on, thank you, thank you. You want to come, thank you. You want to come into a knowledge of Jesus Christ, and you don't really know him as your Lord and Savior. Come on, just lift your hands as high as you can and say, listen, Pastor, I want prayer. I want prayer in my life. Come on. 
Come on, if I can get my prayer team to the front. Come on, if you have your hands lifted up, come on, come to the front right now. I see you over there. Let us pray with you right now. Let us come in agreement with you. Come on, in Jesus' name. In, come on, begin to pray right now. Is there anybody who feels like you're slipping? You need some prayer today. Come on, come on to the front right now. The altar is open. Is there not just one of you? Jesus, that you would come, you would move in us, that you would have your grace upon me, God, that you would stir me up, God, that you would live in me, that I will not fail, that I will become unbreakable, that I will have pure faith in my life. Jesus. 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 Holy Spirit. Father, have your way. Father, have your way. God, stir us up, God, that we might be unbreakable for you, God. God, that we might be unbreakable for you, Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, we would be unbreakable for you, Father. Anybody want to change your life this week? Anybody want to bring a soul to the kingdom this week? God, we want to be used by you, Father God. We want to be examples for you, God. God, we want to be lights for you, God. God, for those who don't know you as their Savior today, God, who, who desire to come into a relationship with you, God. Father, we turn over our hearts to you, God. Turn over our wills to you, God. We turn over our spirits, God, and put them in your hands. Come on, somebody say, use me this week, Lord, to touch a life. That when the opportunity 
shows itself that I will act and not run. And I will act in the power of your name. In Jesus' name, I pray. Come on, put your hands together for him in this place.